we do give thanks for our kids. Uh, I understand that almost all of them are off on a camping trip together, so that's why they're not here. <laughs> but let's uh, open our hearts as we listen to the message from the, the Holy Scriptures from Paul's letter to the Colossians, chapter 2, verses 13 and 14. And you who were dead in your trespasses and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by counseling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning. Well, I'm going to wear two hats this morning. First of all, the missionary guy who's going to give you an update on the mission. And then second, the preacher guy who's going to deliver the sermon. And hopefully they'll segue nice together. I work for a paraclete mission group. And our vision is to come alongside under-resourced and um, under-resourced and isolated Christian leaders around the world. And to do that by bringing them uh, coaching and equipping as well as uh, counseling and care. And my most recent trip was to Central Asia. And uh, our, our vision was to come alongside those 70 or 75 missionaries that work in four different countries in the Central Asian region and to equip them, as I said, in uh, the soul care ministry of counseling prayer and then also to give the counseling and counseling prayer to those that wanted it. Now, Central Asia has two kinds of churches and Christian organizations. One that are ones that are registered with the state or legal, and ones that are non-legal, uh, and are, in other words, the underground church, just like under the former Soviet Union. And um, they, uh, and we were serving the ones that were underground. And uh, but you would you would be amazed and really appreciate these men and women and how in spite of their limitations to share the gospel and be the gospel, they are able to start many house churches across their land as well of do a lot of creative outreach, which you need to be creative in that context. So upon our arrival there, we were uh, a little sobered by living in their reality uh, of being an underground uh, church and Christian organization. Uh, we, uh, they told us, like the first day we got there, that um, there was another group like us from the West who was training another Christian leadership, a Christian group, and uh, they were uh, in a similar setup like we were doing. Uh, 
and they uh, counseled, or excuse me, they, the religious police broke in to that meeting and summarily sent all the people home, harassed the Christian leaders that were nationals there, and sent home the Western missionaries. So not the, exactly the first thing you wanted to hear before your seminar even began. So we kind of watched over our shoulder a little bit, but then we went to a, their office for a briefing of the right ways to act in a less free country and the wrong ways. And we were, again, sobered by the fact that when we arrived to the office, they closed the windows, they put the shades down, and they said, when we speak, speak with a soft voice. And even when we sing, to strum the car gently and to sing softly so the people upstairs wouldn't hear the Christian activity going on below. But no worries. The seminars went off with, uh, without... Uh, any hitch, and God used it really well. And I want to share a highlight about Sarah, and you can put Sarah's uh, picture up on the screen right now. And Sarah was somebody I had trained in um, pr uh, pr counseling prayer like three years before in Turkey. And now she was joining us as an insider, a more relevant cultural person, to do this training on prayer counseling. And uh, that's her actually teaching on her talk on forgiveness up there. Sarah, as she, as she was teaching, she told this story about her experience in counseling prayer years, years earlier. Uh, she, she grew up and has a young, really young daughter. She loved her dad. And she would... She didn't love the chores with her mom inside the house. She wanted to be with her dad outside. So whether he was mending the fence or fixing a tractor or something else, she just wanted to shadow him wherever he went. But that didn't last too long because she discovered her dad was just a really cruel man. He was an alcoholic and kind of a deadbeat dad who didn't support his mom or her and her siblings in anything they did. In fact, he was just critical and they suffered uh, uh, emotional and verbal abuse from him all the time. And the things that left his mouth were like arrows penetrating places in her hearts where she believed lies. But as she um, went to uh, counseling prayer, she it was like God revealed a lot of the hurt from the arrows as well as the hatred that grew in her heart towards her dad, as well as feeling alone from his lack of support. She was one of those oldest daughters or oldest sons of an alcoholic family who kind of took care of everybody else, even mom. So uh, as she confessed her sins, though, the Lord began to minister and heal in those dark places where the arrows had pierced. And as she confessed her sin of her hatred, God began to melt that hatred just within seconds. And um, then at the end of the time, she got a picture in her mind. It's very common in this part of the world for people to get visions and see pictures from the Lord. 
And the picture was of her in a, a white dress she's wearing right there uh, that represented her being cleansed from her hatred and healed afresh from her wounds. Then she began to meet with her dad in the village, to go back out to the village and extend forgiveness to him. And uh, their relationship was shortly restored. Uh, he knew he was wrong. He repented of what he did, not to the Lord so much, but at least to her. And um, they have, and she says, even though he's still an alcoholic and he's not the perfect father, she has nothing but love and compassion for him. And uh, then a year later, without knowing this story, the aunt, her aunt, sent her, she was in Jerusalem, and sent her a white dress, this white dress that is very similar to the one that she saw in her vision when God was healing her emotionally. So isn't it a neat testimony about the power of forgiveness that once we experience God's forgiveness we are then free to extend forgiveness to others. And really, that's my first point in our sermon today. As I want to talk about the process of forgiveness from the heart, just a few points on some definitions, some perspectives on forgiveness, some disclaimers, and then we'll get a chance to practice that at the end with a little exercise I have for you. And would someone mind getting me a cup of water? I'd really appreciate that. So number one, realize and experience that we have already been forgiven our past, present, and future sins. And it's critical to, for us to stay in touch and be aware of this grace when we come to the Lord with our confession, whether we're doing it corporately or individually, because he who is forgiven much loves much. And the way we can show our love is through sacrificial forgiveness. Let's take a look at that passage that was read, Colossians. Um, thank you, dear. Colossians 2, 13 and 14. It says that you were dead in your sins and your sinful desires were not yet cut away. Then he gave you a share in the very life of Christ. For he forgave all your sins and blotted out the charges proved against you. The list of commandments which you had not obeyed. He took this list of sin and destroyed it by nailing it to Christ's cross. Bill Bright, the founder of uh, Campus Crusade crew, said this of this passage. In the day when this was written, the list of sins meant an itemized bond nailed to the prison cell door. It listed every crime for which the prisoner had been convicted. When the sentence was served, the authorities removed the list and wrote on it, paid in full. The, pris the prisoner used this as proof that he could never be tried of those crimes again. The believer who trusts in Christ's payment for sin can never be tried again. We have a full pardon from God. Now let's sit and soak in that for a minute. We are totally forgiven. 
The list of sins that we offended God and others in thought, word, and deed have totally been forgiven. And the debt we owe to God as a result of that has totally been canceled. You can, um, you can show that list of others as proof, that list that says paid in full. You can say, share that list to your own mind as you remember and to others if you need to. The highest court in the universe says that you are free from guilt. But if you're like me, uh, you remember some of those things, and it's hard to receive God's forgiveness. It's like you've memorized number 35 on the list and 1,036, uh, because when you remember them, it's like a wincing memory. There's a lot of shame, and you judge yourself. You try yourself once again. It's like appealing to a lower court. You have the highest court, and God in Christ, you brought justice Justice was satisfied with Jesus' payment for you. And we were then justified by faith and given his righteousness by the work he did. But yet, we appeal to a lower court as though there's more justice to be done. There's more justice to be satisfied. We do that in that lower court I call for me, Kurt's justice. And that's when I condemn or judge myself every time I fall prey to any besetting sin. And the reality is we are not tried again. We cannot be tried again. And we need to stop appealing to that lower court. That's not how it works. We appeal to the highest court in heaven and what God has done to us for us in Christ. So when we do that, it would be good for us to remember Hebrews 7.25, that he is able to save to the uttermost. And what is that word uttermost? It means that he save, he's able to save or forgive in a comprehensive way, in a complete way, with exhaustive wholeness. I like how Dane Ortland, and I know a number of you have read his book, but how he puts it in Gentle and Lowly. He says, we all tend to have those small pockets of our life we have, where we have difficulty believing the forgiveness of God reaches. We say we are totally forgiven, and we sincerely believe our sins are forgiven, pretty much anyway. But there's the one deep, dark part of our lives, even our present lives, that seems so intractable, so ugly, so beyond recovery. To the uttermost means God's forgiving, redeeming, restoring touch reaches down into the deep, darkest crevices of our souls and those places where we are most ashamed and feel most defeated. More than this, those crevices of sins are those places where Christ loves us the most. His heart willingly goes there. His heart is most strongly drawn there. He knows us to the uttermost. He saves and forgives us to the uttermost because his heart is drawn us out to us there to the uttermost. We cannot sin our way out of his tender care.
So when we are forgiven, we are freed from the guilt of our sin comprehensively, completely. And then we are able to turn around and give comprehensive forgiveness from the heart to others. And we're ready to be forgivers to the uttermost. For the scripture says, he who is forgiven much loves much. Well, our second point in this process of forgiveness is just various definitions and some perspective about forgiveness. We know we need to know the reality of forgiveness is true in our life. But before we begin the act of forgiveness, let's get beyond just the religious uh, word and look at what this practically means. From Colossians, we see that our forgiveness is a canceling of a debt. It involves relinquishing the right to punish and demand people pay too. After all, I'm suffering, so they need to suffer too. It's a great cost to me. They need to pay too. But no, we need to relinquish that right to condemn ourselves and others and not demand people pay. Folks, the hurts and offenses that we've experienced, yes, we have suffered to some degree. And there's nothing that we could do about that here on earth. So we might as well just learn to be, make peace with it and extend forgiveness to the other person. It also involves, forgiveness involves surrendering to God the hurt and anger and offering a pardon. We need to let it go. Are you willing to let it go? I want to give us an opportunity to do that later in the sermon. But first, let's look at a few disclaimers or perspectives about forgiveness. One perspective of disclaimer, as I realize, as some of us look at how we're stewarding our relationships, Forgiveness may, need a pro- may not be a problem. And you can save these thoughts for a rainy day. But I also want to encourage you that if the Lord brought somebody to mind as I've been preaching, that perhaps it would be a good idea to forgive again. There's no harm in forgiving again. In fact, Jesus says sometimes we need to forgive up to seven times 70. And so sometimes we forgive with a broad stroke forgiveness when in reality that person has injured us many times. And so it's good to, to forgive in the specifics because then you can not only forgive for the actions but the impact it had on you, for the effects that it had on your heart, which we'll talk about later. Another perspective... on forgiveness is that we need to own forgiveness. It's our responsibility. As much as it is possible with you, it says in Romans 12, 18, be at peace with all men. We need to own it and we can do it regardless of 
whether they've asked for forgiveness or not, regardless, regardless of whether they apologized or acknowledged our pain or not, whether they've showed any remorse, whether they are aware they even offended us, and whether they'll do it again. We need to be free to forgive as the Lord has forgiven in spite of these things. Now let's turn to our last section on the practice of forgiveness. And here I have five questions that I'll kind of overview with you first, and then I'll lead us through those five questions of forgiveness. We all uh, have in mind the person that we need to forgive, if that's something the Lord brought to mind. So in a second, we'll get in the Lord's presence and do that. But again, let me overview this. The first question I'll ask for us to the Lord is, what did he do? What did he or she do to us? And then I want you just to keep those things in the mind, the actions of how they offended you. Second, how did I feel as a result of what he or she did? How do I feel as a result of what he or she did? And here's how I come to the point of not only forgiving for actions, like in the first question, but also the effects. You see, there's a lot of effects we suffer as a result of actions done against us. And part of those is our, how we feel. If you think of uh, Sarah again, her experience is that she felt very ashamed by the way her father verbally abused her. And she felt very alone and unsupported as a young female kind of running the house. And so those were things she had to extend forgiveness to in addition to the actions of him being verbally abusive. But there's other ways, and, and, and here's the thing, for every action of offense that's done to us, there can be multiple effects that are done that we need to forgive also. There's a second kind of effect that an action of offense brings, and that is the long-term effects that it has on us. I didn't share this about Sarah, but there was two things that she experienced. First of all, uh, she was not able to call God Father for all of her Christian life until she had this amazing forgiveness experience from him. And he just, it just was uncomfortable calling God Father because of what her father was like. And second, uh, you can imagine she had a hard time trusting men. And so getting into relationships were hard because of the way that she was treated. So she had extended forgiveness for that as well. Now, number four, Lord, I choose where we just forgive. Lord, I choose to forgive for the, the actions of um, my dad not supporting me, for leaving me feeling lonely and ashamed, and for not being there for me. And I forgive, I ask for forgiveness, Lord, for not calling you Father as a result of him. And I forgive him for that as well. 
So that's where we put it all together and extend forgiveness. And then lastly, number five, is we kind of clean out the wound because we're not offended in a void, are we? We usually have some reaction and some of that can be aggressive by yelling angrily back or, or doing something back uh, or passively aggressively by withdrawing from that person and not showing them the love that God calls us to. So we need to ask for forgiveness for how we reacted. And in Sarah's case, it was that hatefulness towards her father. Okay, well, let's do that. If you uh, wanna close your eyes, if, if you feel comfortable, otherwise you don't have to. And I'm just gonna walk us through these questions to the Lord and pause for you to have an opportunity to give comprehensive forgiveness from the heart. Lord Jesus, it's good to be in your presence. We always have been, but now we want to acknowledge that we are. And we want to be faithful to you to forgive as you've forgiven us completely and comprehensively and from the heart. So Lord, we ask as this person is in our mind, what did he or she do? Now go ahead and list those in your mind. And Lord, how did I feel as a result of what he or she did to me? Lord, we'll keep that in our mind, but we want to pray also, what were the long-term effects on what they did to me? Lord, I want to be faithful to you. I choose to forgive them for all of these things. I relinquish the right to punish them in, their, in my mind. I surrender my anger and my hurt to you. And I say, you no longer have to pay for what you did. And I say this for all these things. Go ahead and list all the feelings and the actions. Now 
Now, Lord, I'm not innocent in all this. I'm not the perfect Christian. I was hurt and I got angry. And I've harbored some anger in my heart. Or maybe did this or that. Go ahead and confess that to the Lord and ask for his forgiveness. Thank you, Lord, for your forgiveness. Thank you for blotting out our sin. Thank you for cleansing us. And Lord, we just want to thank you that you've given us the gift of forgiveness and one that we can freely give away. Lord, if there's more that I haven't had a chance to share today with you, Lord, let me uh, take some time later this week where I can think about these things more and extend a more comprehensive forgiveness. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.